you. I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey you, welcome back to the Women With Fire podcast. Really excited. I get to sit across from my road trip buddy today. Nothing cooler than that. Join us on our little road trip today on the podcast is how it feels. Uh, you have got to meet this amazing woman behind Sarah Noni Blankets. Her name is Emily Peterson and no joke, I have spent a good chunk of time in the car with her and was uplifted and impressed from all facets of her life like brilliant businesswoman. Also, I got to hear her talk back and forth to her kids on the phone and she was so kind and so uplifting and she's married and, and selling luxury blankets and all these kinds of things. It's going to be a great conversation. So Emily, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was so fun being with you and, and happy to be here today. Well, we are going to get right down because I'm, I'm going to be a little bit selfish here because Emily, there is something I have wanted to talk to you more about since we road tripped. So first thing you need to know is Emily's business. It's really a family business. You'd call it a family business, right? Definitely. Awesome. So Sarah Noni uh, is a beautiful blanket company. I want you to first tell people how you pick the name Sarah Noni. And then I'm going to ask you a question about one of the coolest things I think is happening in your business right now. Okay, great. Sarah Noni is actually named after me and my husband's great grandmothers. So Sarah Benson and Noni Huggins are our two great grandmothers that we admired and appreciated and um, really wanted to base our company off of the values um, that were important to them and then try to do good in the world. And it was kind of a come what comes around goes around. They sacrificed for us. And our hope was that we could then implement something where we could um, and our family could sacrifice and work so that others would be benefited from our efforts. I love it. I love it. And you have had opportunities to go against that mission statement and to go against that foundation. And you said no to those opportunities. And I'm really real proud of you for that. And I'm excited to talk to you about that. But tell me, I'm hearing the name Sarah Benson. Is that like Mormon Church Benson? Yes, Sarah Sophia Benson, yes. Okay, so how is she related to President Benson? President Benson's mother. Sorry, it's from my husband's side. So Sarah Sophia is President Benson's mother. Fantastic, so. fantastic. So you've obviously got, at least on your husband's side, a long line of, of faith and sacrifice and, and commitment to the gospel. Tell me a little bit about Noni. Um, same kind of connection there. Were, were they converts to the church? Do you have a long history there um, of the church? Or tell me about Noni. She was a faithful woman um, in the gospel and with her family. And I knew her personally. And she had a love for family. And she loved to serve those that were in need. And she had a ceramics 
business, I guess, and she used it to serve others. And she taught people that were in need um, and that were from a difficult background how to um, use their hands and ceramics to be able to overcome their challenges. And so she just was lived a life of service and helping others. That is incredible. That's incredible. I'm never going to look at your Instagram feed the same way again every time I see Sarah Noni. It's, it's always going to change how I view your business, which is amazing. So something I want you to talk about, if you are open to it, is something that we talked about on our road trip was about your commitment to Sarah Noni being a company that did serve, and you've been very particular about how your blankets are made and who makes them and having service being a part of your business. And I think it's so admirable, so admirable. So tell us a little bit about your blankets, what makes them unique, special, and how that really solidifies your foundation of these two wonderful women that you have named your business after. Yes. So our goal has been from the beginning that we wanted to bring warmth and comfort to individuals and families by providing a high quality luxury blanket and being able to use that to be able to serve others. And so from the beginning, we've done things a little different. We could buy bolts of fabric and just, um, and make, make our blankets, but we've chosen it to take the harder route, I guess. We make all of our own fabric, so we start with the yarn, and we do all of our own knitting. We do all of our own dyeing and our cutting and, and sewing, and with that, our goal was just to not go to a large factory to have someone make blankets because um, we wanted it to be a little, mean a little bit more to us and our family. We wanted to be able to help other families who were in need and to be able to have them help their families through their employment. And so we have families that help us through in different parts of the world. And um, it has been an awesome experience because we have been not only been able to employ them, but our families have been able to create great relationships with them. Um, and so we have this Serenoni family. And on Thursday nights when we Skype with our person that helps are doing our knitting. Our children, um, we have one child that gets to stay up and then we share our talents. So they have a little girl and she shows us her art and then our kids will play the piano or tell something that's gone on in um, their lives. And so it's just been a neat experience to be able to have different families. Um, we have several different families that we connect with that help us. And it's um, great to be able to feel like we can bless their lives. And then in turn, they've blessed our lives and enriched our lives and helped our children um, form these relationships with people throughout the world. Well, this is so phenomenal to me. Like, I, I am so impressed with the attention to detail at every stage of how can we make, you know, creating the fabric as meaningful as possible? And how can we make the knitting as meaningful as possible? How can we make the sewing and all these things as meaningful as possible? And then I'm hearing, how can we make these relationships even deeper and more meaningful? And here's the bluntness, okay? You may not have been pre-warned, but when, when I, Sarah, am your interviewer, there's always a, a little hint of bluntness because I'm dying to know certain things. The reality is, is this is probably not the most profitable route to do it this way. No, um, definitely not. And um, it takes a lot longer. It's easy to go by and say, I want to build a fabric that's about this quality and bring it in and sew blankets. And that's easy. 
Um, the hard part is when you knit something and it doesn't um, meet the quality expectations that you have and you have to, to throw that fabric away, you know, and. So how have you, I mean, you're raising your family off of Serenoni. Like how, how do you come to terms with that where, where there is risk involved and more time and more expense? Um, how have you come to peace with that? Well, I just believe that the Lord has really blessed us and helped us because um, we have so many awesome customers um, out there. And we call those our Serenoni family, too, that love our blankets and then are able to support us even more. And so we have this group of people that are just these faithful Serenoni users, and they do are, are great to continue to buy them for others to gift. And and it's just, um, I, I believe it's that whole circle of what comes around, goes around. You know, as, as we've chosen to take that route, I believe we've been blessed to have um, make quality blankets and make blankets that truly do what we want them to do. And that is to, to bring comfort and security to people. And so whether that is a baby and a mom wrapping her baby and bringing that comfort and that baby gets attached and, and when they're in need, they have that blanket as a comfort to, you know, I think some of my favorite things are hearing stories of adults that love their blankets. In fact, um, just last night I had an awesome experience and I hope, I can't even remember her name in this moment, but I was at a park and someone came up to me and thanked me for donating for a blanket. I'm going to get emotional, but for donating a blanket to a fundraiser and she was the recipient. She had cancer. She had a little one and a half year old boy. And she just told me how she took that blanket to every chemotherapy session um, during her whole cancer journey and that she still sleeps with that blanket. And so I just believe that because we've taken that harder route, we've been blessed to have these people, to have a good quality product and then just blessed to have people that love our blankets and that our blankets are able to do what um, we want them to do. And that is to bring comfort and warmth and security. And then we're able to make these connections, whether it be with the people that we're uh, manufacturing the blankets with or that woman in the park that I just felt a great love for and appreciate appreciation for the journey that she had ha taken. But we just have had so many opportunities. And that, I think, is what keeps me going on Serenoni because it makes me feel that in my own small way, I can be the Lord's hand to help those in need. And it has allowed others to serve and it has allowed me and my family to serve and to be able to give those blankets, which then I think have helped um, bless other people's lives. So I'm just amazed and grateful that we've ended up because we didn't start out as a blanket company. Um, that was just one of the elements of our whole company. But that's what it's really come down to is being this, uh, that's all we do is blankets now. But that it's amazing that when there are no words in different situations, that a blanket can be the gift that helps and blesses other people's lives. And I'm, I'm just grateful, I guess, that the Lord has kind of led us and directed us and helped that part of it be successful so that we could, we could help and serve others. I'm just astonished. And I'm so grateful that the Lord opened that opportunity for you at the park for you to get this little glimpse of what your your blankets are doing. And one of the things I love about this is I think sometimes we get stuck thinking if I'm not, you know, donating everything I have or if I'm not, you know, 
in, involved in these massive, like the Red Cross, or if I'm not doing this or this or this, that I'm not doing the Lord's work. And people have a hard time uh, being able to connect with, okay, how can my business actually be part of the Lord's work? Like I teach photography. That's what I do. I, I mentor entrepreneurs and it's like, wait, how can, how can my work be part of the Lord's work? Because they're not even connected, but you have found this way. You have found this way using blankets to connect with the Lord. Like, do you feel like that happened really naturally? Or do you feel like that this was intentional, that you and your husband went in partnership with the Lord and said, we're going to make this part of your work as much as ours? Well, I think probably a little of both. Like I said, we didn't start out as a blanket company, but our core as we started the company is that we wanted to help people in third world countries to be able to give them, a, um, be able to, give them a way to make a product and to lift them out of poverty. And it was just interesting because we had products in India being made and in Peru and all over the world and things weren't really going well. You know, after a couple of years, we weren't making any money, but the interest came from blankets in that were manufactured in, in Asia and China. And I thought, what? This is, that is not where I was going. That's not what I wanted. I wanted to help these little families. So from there, we just had to make a really conscious decision that we aren't going to go to a manufacturer, a big manufacturer there, and that we're going to find someone. We're going to find a small family. And we found several families, and they are golden families, just amazing people that we've been able to find and we've been able to have them um, do you know, our knitting and everything. And so basically we had to be very intentional at that point saying, hey, our purpose in the, the first was to be able to bless families. And, and when things weren't going, we weren't making money, um, then we were able to say, okay, what, how can we make money? It was through blankets, not where we really wanted it to be necessarily at the beginning. And then we were able to be very deliberate in who we contacted and, and um, work with these families and how we treat that relationship. And then from there, I think the, the product has, um, because of that, you know, um, someone says, you know, it's like you've woven it with love, you know, knit it with love that just because they bring so much comfort. But I believe it's because we love these people. They love our families. And it's just come out in the product. And from there... Um, we've just tried to seek out and say to ourselves, how can we serve? How can we give? And I believe we don't have to be doing giving all the time and donating all the time. I would like to. I, if, if, that, if I could just do that all the time, I would. But I, we can't do that, you know. But, you know, I think as we keep the most important things, the most important things, by first caring for our families and putting the work of the Lord first, then I believe, you know, we have that what comes around goes around, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God is one of my favorite scriptures as a missionary. It was one of my favorite scriptures and it continues to be. But that as we um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all other things shall be added unto us. And I think that um, I've seen that to be true. And and I would love to say that like hindsight is always twenty twenty that you know, you're seeing that this has happened through the sacrifices that you've made. My heart just pounds over and over when I am thinking about when you were talking about earlier on before you were all blankets that, you you know, you're in India and other areas and you were not making money. 
Okay. You weren't making money and not that money is like the focus of everything, but it does have to support your family. I mean, it's a pretty critical element. Like, did you, did you and your husband agree at this point? Like, was it this really easy decision or what did that process look like? Well, actually it wasn't, um, my husband had a a full-time job. My husband just recently, um, joined Serenoni full-time when I was having my sixth child and, um, and Emily, my sixth child. Yeah. So that's when I'm full-time. So that's something that I would consider that my biggest accomplishment in the business world would be, um, growing to the company to the point that I could bring my husband on so that I could spend more time, um, with my kids. But, um, where were we at? So, um, what did that process look like where you, you were looking that you're not making money and that it's cheaper to go to Asia, but you're wanting to stay committed to your foundation. Like, was this a struggle for you? Was this a wrestle? Well, it was, like I said, it wasn't providing for us. It didn't have to be the main income, but, and our goal was service. But when I was investing time and I'm talking like time from like 10 o'clock till three o'clock in the morning, you know what I mean? Like mid burning the midnight oil, I guess. Um, I had to just really look at it and just say, is this worth it or is this not? And we were just, I mean, we were putting out our personal money well beyond what we were bringing in. And that was several, several years into it. And so then at that point, we had to look and say, well, why, you know, we've got to make money in the first place. You know, one of the reasons we started, we have this, um, you know, a daughter that was born without an ear and we, she needed, she wanted, we thought she would want surgery as she got older and it was something insurance wouldn't cover because it's considered cosmetic. And so, um, you know, we were, there was that goal there. If this would be something extra that would be on the side that we could start saving and putting money away so that at a time where she wanted that surgery, we would be able to afford that surgery because you just don't come up with a hundred grand out of nowhere. You know, when we had my husband's job, but that was providing for our, our family, you know? So that was kind of the intention is that we would be having, being able to save and put away. So then after several years of work and looking at things, realizing we weren't, we were in the hole, you know, then that's kind of when we made the change and said, okay, what do we need to do? And you can only see that in hindsight because I, I wouldn't have believed or thought that, you know, but I believe the Lord directed us to drop those other products and to be able to focus solely on the blankets. And I thought it would take away the opportunity to be able to serve and help bless other families because I wasn't, you know, working with that woman in Peru and I wasn't working with that cute little man in India. But instead, because we kept our same focus and we knew our goal, it just, I felt like he just opened it up and more families were able to come and were in in several different types of blankets and be able to affect several different families. And so I just feel you can only see it in hindsight. I couldn't see it then. So you just have to move forward and to take that step of, you know, into the, into the light, you know, in the darkness and just, just take that step. And, and then it's after that, that you're able to see the light or able to look back and, and see that the Lord really has guided us. And, and I'm grateful for that. Oh, it is so bold. It is such a bold decision. And I just admire you so much for it. And I, I learned two great things from you when I hear about your business. And the first is that from the get go, it wasn't perfect. We often get stuck into comparison, right? And we go, 
Wow, everything she touches turns to gold. Wow, everything she does, she's successful at. And we're seeing big numbers and big sales and big influence and all these kinds of things. And and your success, I'm gonna put that in quotes even though you can't see me, audience, but um, your success today, it hasn't always looked the same as it did when you first started. Like you have refined this with the Lord. And I think that's amazing. So I just, I learned so much from you that way. The second thing that I love that I would love to hear your thoughts about, one of the things that we encourage the people that we mentor is that it's okay to, de- to desire to be profitable. It's okay to, to, to desire that because when you are burning the midnight oil, like it's the, the whole entrepreneur quote that I love that's like entrepreneurs are the ones who will work um, 120 hours a week so that they don't have to work 80 hours a week. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like we're all laughing because we're all doing it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, and what I love is that you assigned purpose to needing to be profitable, that you needed to be profitable so that you could provide this somewhat cosmetic, but what you feel is a very necessary surgery for your daughter. And I remember talking to you about that in the car. And do you feel that that's a wise practice to almost give purpose to to the need for change in your business or to give purpose for the need to be profitable? Like, did that help drive you or what's been your experience there? Yeah, I felt like a lot of years, I mean, I would say you need to pay yourself. I haven't been good at that for, for actually all of Serenone's life, you know what I mean, basically. But we, I worked for a lot of years and not making money as a company, you know, not only not paying me, but, but not making money as a company. And I think when I took that, when we said, okay, we, we made it a matter of prayer and we said, cause I came to my husband and I said, okay. I'm either going to be done with Serenoni because it's not worth the sacrifice of my time um, or we need to say, is this something we want to move forward with? And it's still at this time, obviously, on, on my own. Um, so we've been doing this for um, 12 years now and it was probably about um, maybe close to seven years into it where we really said, okay, um, where I said, okay, we've got to, I'm ready to be done or we've got to move forward. And I think once we made that decision and we got that confirmation that, hey, this is something good, move forward with it, that it required me to be a little bit more responsible. I wasn't just, you know, putting out hours just to be kind and nice to people and to be able to help and serve these families. But really, I needed to, I, it, it needed to make sense for me and my family to be able to do this. And, and so that means making a profit, you know. And I think it, what it does is it just makes you work a little harder, be a little more uh, intentional about how you're going to do it. Be wiser in, in how you carry out instead of just doing something to be busy or doing something because it's fun or neat or doing it because other people are doing it. It kind of requires you to take a look at it and say, why am I doing this? Is this going to give me the end result that I want? Is it something I should be doing? And then just from there, be able to draw the line and say, I, if that's the case, then I need to make sure that it's profitable. I need to you know, make sure I'm doing things in a way that I'm going to actually make money. This is so good. I love the, the whole idea of we've got to be more intentional. We've got to have purpose behind this. This needs to make sense. You know, because you can only burn the midnight oil for seven plus years before saying, 
I don't know how far my passion is going to take me, right? <laughs> I, I, I wasn't like full time, you know, I wasn't, I kind of like did it out of my basement, but that's when it's like, okay, you know, we've, we've got to take this to the next step. And I feel like that's when our success really started to come. When we really made that commitment that this wasn't just going to be like something I, you know, did in my basement and did for fun. And I, I like doing because I love making baby blankets. At that point, it was baby blankets more. But that's when we said, okay, we're going to go and we're going to go and sell wholesale. And it just required us to make sacrifices. But I think because we did that, then it allowed our, you know, more growth. I love it. I love it. And so much of your core of being intentional, intentional, but also wanting to have purpose and serving others is, is so palatable while I'm sitting here talking to you. It's so apparent. And now a small break, a word from those who make this podcast possible. This podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. Email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash entreport to get started. And now back to the Women With Fire podcast. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit to something that I know is is maybe not your favorite thing to talk about, but is such a raw topic for many of our listeners that listen, that listen every single week. And that is, we sit here and applaud you for your wonderful six children. And I think it's incredible you've built the business that you have built with six children. But kids have not been an easy thing for you as far as having babies and you've had experiences with a stillborn baby and miscarriages and those kinds of things. Tell us a little bit about what this whole baby world has been like for you and and what has it brought you and the Lord's relationship? Yes, I love children and I love being a mom more than anything else. And so I we had several of our children at, at the beginning and, and that um, I married older, um, got married when I was 26, had my first when I was 30 years old. <clears throat> And we had several children. I was a mom busy within, you know, doing the ceremony just kind of as a side thing, but just busy with, you know, four young children. And then it kind of um, started to come where I had um, several miscarriages that was able to conceive and have a, a child. And then, yes, I had a stillborn and his name is Ezra, our little guy. And I would say before... Ezra, amongst the the miscarriages, one thing, the the main lesson that I learned is trust and trusting the Lord because I was doing things that the world would not see as normal. Because of my age, I I felt and wanted more children. And 
obviously was meeting a lot of um, difficulty in in getting uh, having more children. And some may say, well, you already had that, you know, plenty of children or whatnot. But but it was something I desired, something that I wanted. But it was a really tough thing I, that I I would say that I've never prayed so hard and been so intense about anything else in my life than that. Then should I have more children? My age tells me and the world tells me and my doctor tells me no, you know, um, but it was something that I desired. And so every single time it was like a huge hurdle to come overcome. And then I would overcome, I'd be excited, we would get pregnant, and then it was like, whoa, wait, I knew this was something I was supposed to do. Why did this happen? And I just, you know, it, it's something that I'm, lots of people understand it, just the devastation, the, the sadness that comes. But I think the hardest one definitely was the one that I had to go in and, and deliver our little Ezra. And, um, but you know what? It has been such a blessing for our family. And I can only say that now because I think those couple of weeks after that were probably um, some of the darkest days of my life. But it's just helped me understand that we need to trust in the Lord, that we need to turn to Him in everything, all of our desires, everything. And even if it is not what others would think. I mean, I, I probably should have been having grandchildren, not conceiving another baby. <laughs> but, um, but it was something I desired, and the Lord truly blessed us, you know. And we had our little Ezra, and we buried our little Ezra, and it was one of the most spiritual experiences of our whole family's life. From our little youngest boy to the oldest daughter, we refer to that experiences and some of the confirmations and and, and um, experiences we had during the little memorial service was with just our, my, my little family and my husband's parents, because my parents were serving a mission at the time. Um, it was just a small little one, but those have strengthened my testimony and my children's testimony more than anything. And it was a time that I had to, I thought I was turning to the Lord by trusting in him um, to, to have the children, which I was, but I, I had to turn to him even more. And, and that's a hard thing. How do we trust in the Lord? How do we give everything that we have to put our trust in the Lord? Because, you know, I thought I did that. And then the end result, I was like, what in the world? Why? How come I would receive that confirmation? And I, and I knew I had several different types of confirmation. And then this is the end result, you know, but it has been the sweetest experience as I look back. And then we received then we had our little grace after our Ezra. And I just feel like the, the Lord has just blessed us through these hardships. I mean, there's a lot of things that are that are hard and that we all experience. And I look at others and I just think that my experience was such a small, minute experience compared to someone that maybe would have carried their baby full term. I was, that wasn't my situation. I wasn't full term. I just think, how could they even handle it? I just thought, I remember thinking, how could someone physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually handle that? And then I look at other people that are experiencing like that woman in the park and these other people that are experiencing different hardships, whatever they are, we all have them. Nobody's exempt from them. Um, but I think our, our, whether it be a question of faith, whether it be 
a health problem, whether it be financial, whatever it may be, I think we need to trust in the Lord. We, we have this tunnel vision. We can't see. We can't pull out. We're not on top of the mountain where we can see this huge perspective. And that only comes with time. And sometimes it will come in this life, like my experience, where I've been able to say that is, was an incredible experience for our family. But other times it may not come in this life. But I know that if we put our trust in the Lord and give our whole heart to him, then we will be blessed. You know, then then we're going to, whether it be now or later, we're going to be able to see and understand and have the perspective that our Heavenly Father has. So this is, I mean, I know that you you tell these experiences, well, you know, this could have been so much harder if it had been this way or I could be that woman at the park and all those things. And then I also hear you saying how, you know, after sweet Ezra, that those two weeks were some of the darkest you've experienced as a mom. And I know, I know because in, in talking with our listeners that there are many women out there who are hearing this and who are either in the middle of it or have a sister who's going through it or or having experiences related to the loss of something so precious to them how did what advice would you give them if they are in that two week period after things have happened where it's dark the heavens are closed they they are in tunnel vision like when you say trust in the lord what does that mean that's, that's a hard question. What does trusting the Lord, just believing that in the end it will all work out. Like I said, it may not be in this life, but trusting that he knows what's best and that he loves us. And he loves us so much that it won't go, our suffering won't go in vain. And that we will be blessed with in, in multiple ways, That whether that be who we end up, does our character change? Does our spirituality change? Do, do we, are we more empathetic towards others? Are we able to serve and be his hands in other ways? There are so many different ways that I think that just trusting that even though it is painful and that it is dark, that he, instead of turning to anyone or any others and other things, that, that he has our best interest and that he will magnify this pain and suffering to be able to to one day be able to help them and bless others i guess and or, or our own selves too it's beautiful it is so beautiful and i know so many people are aching for those kinds of of answers with the pain like you said no one is exempt there there are many very very deep forms of pain how has this impacted your children you know, it strengthened their testimony in Heavenly Father. You know, they were, we, we got to the point where we wouldn't tell our children when we were expecting, but they would find an ultrasound or they would find different things. And so I think they knew how much we wanted more children. But I, I think as young children, they were able to have that faith. They, they were able to see the little, uh, our little Ezra, they were able to hold him and they were able to say, I want to be with him. I want, I, I want to be with him. And so I am going to believe. I'm going to believe that Heavenly Father loves us. I'm going to believe in the Savior and his atonement and that in, in his resurrection. 
and that those things are the things that are going to be able to get us back to them. I guess that's why it's turned into a blessing because I feel like my children have had a little more focus as we keep him in our lives, you know, that they have a focus that they want to be with him and that we can be together as families. And so it's, I think their testimonies have grown and it's given them a different perspective and given them something to motivate them to, to want to, to be with him again. Oh, I love it. I love it. And again, I'm seeing the same themes, you know, as funny as it is that we talked about in your business, that you're, you're given purpose and given intention in your life with the experiences that we've been given. Now on our little road trip, because I like to sound cool and say I got to road trip with Emily Peterson. Um, <laughs> I learned so much from you. I love visiting with you. So. Well, I thought we had some really great conversations about families and about parenting. I just remember some really great conversations. And I left that conversation thinking that that woman gives a lot of thought and intention and prayer towards building her family keeping them close, building their testimonies, letting them choose. And, and we talked a lot, a, a lot about, you know, different, how, how do we approach this or how do we approach this? And, um, what have been, this is going to sound funny. Like I love to ask you about business tips, but I kind of want to know family tips. Like what do you do to hold this family together? I've seen you talk with your kids so kindly, so politely, your, your sweet husband, you've got some great things happening over at your home. What are, what's some of your advice that have given you such purpose there? Well, I would have to say that I'm always not always that kind. I'm like every, to my children, I'm, I'm like every other mother, you know, but I think for me, I just think that has to be a number one priority for us and for me. I, um, that in the end, does it really matter if Serenoni succeeds in, or does it matter how I parent and how what my children, you know, the efforts I put towards the children, that's of eternal nature. Serenoni is not. And so I think keeping the most important things, the most important things. So I think putting the focus and making sure our focus is where we want it to be. If that, you know, and, and that's where I want mine to be is on my children and trying to teach them correct principles and then helping them guide through this life by helping them make good choices. So I, I, as far as I think just making it a priority and then I think, you know, I, I, I would say I have little weird things, you know what I mean? Like I want to hear the weird things. That's what I, I want to hear. Don't do a half-baked job, you know? Those the I try to teach my kids if you're going to do a job, you're going to do your best. I think that rolls over into so many things, but that's a, you know, if someone's done a job and all of a sudden I go in, I'm like, "Oop, this is that." And then they can just fill in the words. A half-baked job. They already know when I go to check it off. So I I think being able to be intentional in what you want to teach them. And if we're going to try to teach them to work hard, then we're going to teach Then we're going to be intentional about how we do that. Um, another one I do is no excuses, just results. I think if we can teach our children that um, accountability. And sometimes it's really easy to blame someone else, to give excuses of why you're not doing these different things. And I've just seen as I've looked and tried to learn from other people, if people can learn to be accountable, that they usually can pull themselves out of a lot of different things. And so, so I've tried to teach, you know, my kids accountability and that we don't 
give excuses. We just, we, we want results, not excuses. Okay. Can I interrupt you there? Cause I have a question. Um, yes. My kids are younger than your kids. My oldest is nine. Um, I've got a nine-year-old, a four-year-old, almost five-year-old and an almost two-year-old. Uh, and I'm not going to name any names here for sure. So tell me how that applies to kids fighting. What do you do when your kids are fighting? What's like your, what's your secret weapon? Can I take over this podcast for my own personal gain, please? Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm definitely not the greatest there. But I remember I tried to learn from the Ayers. I love the Ayers. Something that I've tried to do is they need to work it out with each other. And then they have to, in the end, be able to give each other that hug and say sorry. It, it, we, we don't do a set thing all the time. But a lot of times I make them leave the center of chaos and take it somewhere different and then let them work it out from there because we do have a home that is just everyone's kind of in this hub of the kitchen family room area where when you have a lot of kids and you're trying to do dinner and you're trying to do homework and you're trying to do everything there can be a there can be a lot of commotion a lot of stuff going on and so if something like that happens I usually take it, it, we take that to a different room and okay, you two, you're going into the living room. Okay. You two are going into my room and you're going to go work things out and you need to be able to understand I, what I want to come back with is realizing that they both played a part in it. You know what I mean? And so what could you have done to do better in this situation? And so that's the question they try to ask is what ask each other, what could I have done instead? Again, it comes back to that. Oh, well, he did this. Well, he did this. You know, what could I have done? What could you have done to be better in that situation? And then they are kind of able to pull back and, and because they have to answer the question, they realize, oh, I did play a part. And that's a hard thing sometimes for kids to be able to do is understand that they actually did, you know, play a part in that. Well, if he hit you, then what could you have done differently? Well, instead of punching him back, I could have just come and talked to you about it or I could have told him that that hurt my feelings and, and why did he do that? You know what I mean? So I think what could I have done better in this situation? And then um, I try to have him come back and tell me. Now, believe me, I do not do that all the time. <clears throat> but if I'm in having a good parenting moment, then maybe that's what it would look like is pulling away and then letting them talk to each other and saying, what could I have done better? Or what did I do to contribute to that arguing? And then, and then go from there. I love this. I love this because that whole principle is centered on truth, like the need for stillness in order to redirect. I mean, we as parents need that. We as moms need that. As entrepreneurs, we need that. And I tell you what, stillness is near impossible to find nowadays. So I, I love that. I'm going to have better mom moments now, thanks to you. So that's, that is super. <laughs> Any other family tips that I know that I cut you off that you have that you feel like have really glued your family together? You know, I think it goes to the basics. I came from a family that back to the basics. I came from a family that prayed in the morning together, that read scriptures together and um, had family night. And I'm, I'm grateful for those. I didn't love them then. I mean, I remember just getting so upset at my dad because we had to have scripture study before um, we went to school and I don't have time to get ready. And then my awesome dad installed mirrors 
in the front, in the insides of our cupboards. So you like open your kitchen cupboard, think of it. And then he installed mirrors there so that we could stay to scripture study and put our makeup on. So we had a little mirror and we could put our makeup and do our hair and still listen to scripture study. But those things were important to my family, the prayer, the scripture study and the family night. And so I've just tried to do those things, those basic um, things of being consistent in those things. I am not a very consistent person, but I am consistent in those. We are consistent in those things. And I'm grateful for a husband that helps support me in that. And that is um, drives a lot of that. But we're consistent in in those things, in family prayer, family scripture study and in family home evening. And so I guess that would be my tip. That's what I took from my parents. And that's what I've tried to continue on, I guess. I love this. I love how much you embrace the whole notion of like, like a legacy. You know, I mean, I see it in your business where the foundation is um, based around Sarah and Noni of people that have come before that have set such incredible foundations of service and, um, and sacrifice and testimony. And then here you are talking about your immediate family saying, I learned this from my parents that you've got to do scriptures no matter what, even if that means drilling into the kitchen cupboards, you know, you've got to do prayer. You've got to do family home evening. And I just think, I think of Sarah and I think of Noni and I think how cool would it, will it be one day to be able to look ahead to those that we have, you know, that our kids and their kids and their kids and everything like that and see um, the efforts that are going on to continue on such a house of faith. So Emily, you're just as impressive as they come. I am so grateful for the chance we've had to sit together. Well, thank you. It's been great to be with you. And I just, I think, you know, we have to realize as women, you know, one of the things I thought about a lot is that we have to really just, you know, one of the things I always say is try hard, try a little harder to be a little better as President Hinckley quote. But I think we need to look at and be careful not to look at others and compare ourselves or try to be like them, you know, as you said, what do you teach your children? That's really what I want to teach our children. I think in this world nowadays, so many people, we look to others via Instagram or Facebook or, or, you know, in our wards or whatnot. And we try think we need to be like them or we compare ourselves to them. And I think, you know, we need to really work on being our best self and, Maybe that, you know, maybe that doesn't look like someone else. Do you need to just go start a business or do you need to go serve like this person because they're just because they're doing it, you know, and so that you can look like this or because I feel inadequate. So I need to try to be like someone. I just think we need to be close enough to the Lord that we really try to look at say what's important to me what do I want me and my family to look like and then truly trying to decide what that what is that going to take we don't need to be like anyone else we don't need to look like anyone else our houses our our lives um don't need to be like others they need to we need to be our best self and I think that looks different for every single person and and so I think that's something that you know, as we kind of close and we, as we listen and talk to other moms and hopefully as we hear this message, I guess that would be my little takeaway is that don't try to go out and be someone else. You be your best you. And that may look totally different for you than it, it does for me. 
and that we need to be careful not to look at others and compare ourselves and try to be like others and just look and try to be what we need to be and to and put the the gospel and first in our lives and in our families' lives. It's it's so amazing and it really is the perfect message because that is the message of the ages for women. It is the 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 greatest calamity that we will face is if we is us spending all of our time looking elsewhere at what everybody else's not real life looks like you know just being so blind to what is right in front of us and looking back at us in the mirror and it it goes full circle to me on you talking about what does trust in the lord look like that is a way we can show our trust in the lord is by trusting him that he can make us be our best self and and trusting that that really is the best so i i am going to take that one to heart and that is something i needed that message so even if there's not a single listener here who needed that message i needed it and that's going to really um really make an impact on on how i view myself day to day so emily thank you again so much for joining us on the women with fire podcast you're welcome thank you sarah Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.